Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There is a season for everything, and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time for giving birth and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted, a time for killing and a time for healing, a time for tearing down and a time for building up, a time for crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces, a time for searching and a time for losing, a time for keeping and a time for throwing away, a time for tearing and a time for repairing, a time for keeping silent and a time for speaking, a time for loving and a time for hating, a time for war and a time for peace. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, we say, thanks be to God. It is a beautiful and complicated thing to bring a new sermon series, especially for a season, on Communion Sunday. It seems there simply isn't enough time to offer an introduction of where we're going to go for the next six weeks, to offer a full sermon, and appropriately craft a space for the communion ritual. And yet, here we are. <laughs> Last Sunday, and in both emails this week, I talked about how Lent is a season for intentionality. It represents the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness fasting, and so often practices of fasting accompany the season of Lent. Catholics have a practice of identifying something to give up for those 40 days, and then also fasting from meat on Fridays. And many other traditions give something up or pick something up as a new spiritual practice during this time. And the initial intents were to find a practice that brought you closer to understanding what Jesus went through. But over time, I found many theologians and ministers have watched this season evolve from a period of trying to understand Jesus and what Jesus experienced, and instead resetting our relationships with God. Instead of identifying something to abstain from that you enjoy, like chocolate or soda or tacos, Many Protestants look intently at their life's habits and patterns and try to find ways to either eliminate things or to add habits that will nurture their faith, that will enrich their spiritual practices, that will deepen and grow their relationship with God and God's children and God's creation. Which brings us to our sermon series for this season, Seeking Depth through simplicity. Where in our lives can we simplify and in doing so deepen our relationship with God? You see this practice in other walks of life. If you want get to get better at cooking, go back to the basics. If any of you are looking to improve your basketball game, you should work on your ball handling and your shooting form. If you want to get better at an instrument, you start your practice with scales. If you want to be better at writing, what should you do? Write every day. 
If you want to get better with living your faith each and every day to the fullest, you put into practice some of the habits of a Christian that are simple and accessible to all. How do you find practices that are accessible to all? You find an adult who practices those habits and then is capable and competent at teaching them and being, helping them be utilized by two and three-year-olds. Mr. Rogers, he lived an authentic life teaching preschoolers and children that emotions aren't scary, that make-believe is something we all do, and that everyone could use a friend. He offered an honest look into who he was every day through his public television show. And when people met him in real life, and you can find, you can find books about it, you can find podcasts about it, there's interviews and writings galore that when people would meet him in person, they say he was more Mr. Rogers off the television than he was on the television. He got into television because he hated it. <laughs> He wanted an opportunity to offer something that you couldn't find already. He wanted to offer something that was educational, that was accessible to our little children and didn't have them bombarded with commercials every four to six minutes. He put on tennis shoes at the beginning of each show, not just to pause and give himself a chance to connect with the viewer, but for a pragmatic reason as well. You see, when he wore his dress shoes on the set, walking around interrupted the production of the show. And so by switching to tennis shoes, it built in an educational and relational moment and at the same time improved the quality of the show. Fred Rogers fed the fish on the set every day because you care for creation. And he spoke his way through the process every time so that his blind viewers knew what he was doing during those moments of the show. Fred Rogers thought about what he did and he acted with intention. People commented on the fact that the pace of his show was relatively slow and they assumed that it was intentional for the preschoolers watching at home so that they could process and keep up with what was going on. But Fred Rogers didn't do anything for just one simple reason. Fred Rogers moved at a pace that allowed him to do his best work. As television and ministry and society said, move faster, speak faster, think faster, Fred knew himself well enough to know that he would actually do his better work at a slower speed. All the time. And a slower speed meant that there was often silence. Silence to think. Silence to pause. Silence to pray. Fred Rogers didn't just move at a different pace on television. He moved at a different rhythm to the rest of the world. He moved at a different rhythm every day, regardless of how people and television and the Presbyterian church and society pushed and pulled at him. He found his rhythm and he moved at it. This morning's scripture invites us to do the same. This morning's pericope, this section of scripture, other than being a song sung by the birds, 
comes from, which I knew off the top of my head last night, who would have known that I had that piece of information? <laughs> but the scripture, this comes from a book that tries to offer wisdom in the complexity of life. Despite what might be right in front of you, there may be value in considering what's missing. Despite what you think you're needing to do, despite what you think comes next, it might be worth it to take a moment and consider that you can't see all six sides of a scenario from the front. This specific part of Ecclesiastes comes up for me a lot during pastoral care visits and scenarios. And I've realized over the years that it's applicable at least to consider maybe in all walks of life. When a family is stressed about conceiving, it's often in accepting alternative outcomes that the stress and the anxiety finally comes down. And it's fairly common for people that decide we're just not going to invest our energy there anymore. We're going to adopt. Those couples tend to conceive. When a person is facing the end of life and they are insistent that survival and full recovery is their only path that they're willing to accept, when they take the time to journey down a different path, it lightens when they open themselves to considering alternatives and coming to peace with either not healing completely or accepting death. When a relationship has two people that are insistent on being conflict avoidant. We're going to be nice to each other if I get lockjaw. That it's when there's honesty and the stories are aired that the tension begins to dissipate and the relationship begins to have some honest healing. When life is telling you to go faster or yell louder or do more, Perhaps what scripture is telling us is it's a season to try and do the opposite. Our world is bombarding us on all sides with noise in all different forms, in music, and podcasts, in news, and then commercials, in the lights and the signs. And while the path through it may initially appear to just consume all of it with a side of extra information. Perhaps instead we should take a page out of the counter rhythm of Fred Rogers and Ecclesiastes and seek silence. A fun little tidbit. If you look at the letters of the word silent, and rearrange them, you get listen. Lent is a season to reset yourself. It's a chance to reset your faith. I talk about oftentimes at the beginning of worship, having it all figured out or having questions. Ask yourself, which one is you? Lent is a chance to reset your relationship with God. Has it been a one-sided relationship with you doing all the talking? Has it been a one-sided relationship with God doing all the talking? Both the practices of Fred Rogers and the scriptures tell us that whatever life is telling us that we need or our minds are insisting that we have, the opposite is most likely true. 
When seeking life, consider accepting death. When seeking peace, consider naming the conflict. When trying to get through faster, consider slowing down. It drives my children's nuts. My children nuts. When they have a homework problem or a puzzle or something they're trying to solve, my first advice is walk away. When trying to be louder than everyone else, consider the silence. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness and came out leading a band of people to believe and practice that the least and the last and the lost should be first. I invite you to do the same. I invite you to take these 40 days to be intentional and a counterbalance in your life. And in doing so, in practicing your faith, in resetting your relationship with God, by golly, folks, we Christians might be a counterbalance to society. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, please check out our website at louisvilleumc.org. From there, you'll find links to our social media accounts, find ways to give, have access to our calendar, and an opportunity to sign up for our weekly newsletter from our pastor. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.